Trash Cinema. Hey everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. This episode will be discussing Chucky ripoff films, and uh, it's just in time for the not really Chucky, but yes, it's Chucky, but it isn't because they don't have the legal rights to Chucky, but they have the rights to the Child's Play remake. Is that weird, Kersey? It is, but you know what? I'm actually oddly a little optimistic about it. It kind of is going in a different direction that I think is kind of cool. Yeah. And it has Aubrey Plaza in it, so, you know. Oh, yeah, who doesn't love her? I'm, I'm going to say right now, this has not been really revealed. As of this recording, the reviews are coming in, and they are at... Wow, I'm actually impressed. 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> oh, that's actually that's actually really... I was expecting, like, 10 15%. I'm especially gonna... since... They they uh, they didn't do any advanced screenings. Yeah. As far as I know. Well, they did. So. They did do on Wednesday night. I knew a couple people who oh, were going, okay. and they were like, "I don't know if I want to go. It's gonna be crap." I'm like, "I don't know. Give it a shot." So I'm gonna look. Oh, you know what? Technically, as of this moment, it's got higher reviews than the original Child's Play, which is at 67%. But that's really close. That's interesting. The. Uh, Child's Play is one of the very first horror movies that we ever rented. And I don't even particularly know why we rented it. It seems like it was out of the wheelhouse. That was that came out Christmas of 88. And I wasn't really allowed to watch horror movies until 92. It's just one of those strange anomalies that my mom was like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm almost certain she didn't think it was a kid's movie. I, there's no way we tricked her. We weren't those kind of kids. But I just remember like the being cover his... is him holding a knife, so like, how could how could she not? Right. Well, no, maybe I didn't show her the cover or whatever, and oh. she's like, "It's called Child's Play. It has a doll in it that comes to life." Oh, like ET? I could have played that card, but probably. I don't know. For some reason, we just rented it, and I can't remember why. But uh, I just remember being just absolutely fascinated by it, and it still holds up. It's from the director of Fright Night, so he's always been kind of the guy who. Oh, sweet. Um, I think he puts a lot of heart. And intellect into his horror movies, not just like relying on the catchphrases and you know the slasher moments a lot of those horror movies did during that time. Sure, right, and uh, it, it, it's worth pointing out that in the first movie, it did not really rely on the charisma of the of the voice of Chucky, kind of like how the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, wasn't didn't really rely so much on the charisma of uh, the Freddy Krueger character. It was more just like straightforward. Um, horror slasher, yeah, it wasn't really like a fun. Um, yeah, movie. that was of course the sequels. This and the funny thing is, Child's Play does come during that era where it was effects heavy, rubber reality, and everybody had to have a mascot. I don't know if that was ever intended to have him as a mascot, but clearly for the next decade, he became Universal's big go-to guy because I know they tried with Shocker and they tried with Doctor Giggles, but the only one that stuck was Chucky. Yeah, and it is also worth noting that those movies got progressively more disgusting and uh, gory, yeah. it's, which is kind of the opposite direction that a lot of those kind of movies would go in. Like Nightmare on Elm Street got more goofy and more outrageous, but it didn't. It wasn't really that bloody, considering it's a man with knives for hands. But like right. this, the series really like amped up the gore as it went on. I remember when the second one came out, everybody was apeshit for it, and I got a sticker. I think I got it from the video store that said, Back off, Jack. Chucky's back. And he's, like, coming up to uh, 
he has like these giant scissors and he's coming up to like uh, what's that Jack in the Box and he pops it off. He's like, got to cut off the head of the Jack in the Box. Had that been oh, locker for years. Weird. Um, I, so yeah, for it's interesting because you kind of had you went with Chucky for like one of your first rentals, uh-huh. but uh, when I was a kid, um, I got the Chucky knockoffs first. So, wow. Like, okay, the, that's the yeah. first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> So before I watched Chucky, I watched the movie Ragdoll, which is one of the ones I recommended. Okay. But um, is that, I a, is that a full it, moon? Because I don't know that one. Ragdoll. Oh, I, oh, I don't know. I think it's like the hip hop version. So it's, um, it, I think it's like a, a, God, it's it's an African country. I think it's my maybe small. I'm not sure, but it's like an ancient doll from some uh, African country that was brought overseas during a migration period. Um, Maybe Somalia. I can't remember right now. Yeah. But it's... anyway, it's somehow possessed and then uh, kills rappers or something. I don't remember. <laughs> it's been so long. It is from Full Moon Pictures, who were like the kings of these uh, like smaller animated creatures. I mean, Puppet Master, of course, being their big one. We were, we were discussing doing uh, Puppet Master. But then I looked and I'm like, my God, there's 14 of these fucking movies. And it's going to be so much like to discuss because... Unlike a lot of the horror movies, this one has an evolving mythos, which is always the best film franchise that just don't know, oh, we're just going to do a generic sequel just because it sells. We you know, build on top of that. And I would say the first Puppet Master is boring as hell, but the second one starts kicking into high gear, and I'm like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, it, it's kind of like why I'm somewhat excited to see the new Child's Play, because it is a different take, or at least a different kind of story evolving or yeah. re- revolving around a uh, a doll that kills people. Is it is it weird that they're doing this? They're doing the remake, but also apparently Sci-Fi signed a deal with Universal, which is weird because Universal owns Sci-Fi, um, to do a Child's Play or a, I'm sorry, a Chucky TV series, which is going to continue after all the movies. Is it going to be like cartoon? Like wasn't no, that I, a thing? No, I don't know. Ima- it can't it can't be animated, but I'm, it's going to be the animatronics because there's no way they can afford the CGI on a TV budget like that, especially on Sci-Fi Channel. And plus, people well, I just hate mean, CG. Like, sure, I just mean like a, like a cartoon show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I feel like that was a thing at some point, but I maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I won't be surprised. Well, also, I'm, I'm almost certain that Don Mancini, besides creating Child's Play, uh, he works heavily in animation. It, it's possible. Maybe. Maybe it was just one of the sequels had, like, an animated sequence or something, yeah. and I'm thinking that was an actual TV show. Oh, no, I remember that. Yeah. So, real quickly, we'll run down the rest of the sequels, because, like I said, it's going to be our opportunity, probably. Uh, three came too soon after part two, and it was a huge flop, because it came out the same day as Hot Shots, and for some reason, everybody wanted to see Hot Shots. Yeah. And what, it jumped a decade, right? And that was weird for everybody. Yeah. So, what, what was the third one about? Just very briefly, we don't have to, like, get into it or anything, but I, I kind of... I lost uh, the the plot um, from the second movie until uh, they introduced Jennifer Tilly into the series. Yeah, so uh, the third one is, I don't think it's a decade, but it's like six or eight years later, and Andy's now in military school, and Chucky's revived again through some ridiculous whatever. Uh, That's the only thing that's ever bothered me about the series, that they're always like, well, why don't we just destroy this instead of trying to fix it, remold it? Why do you keep doing this, you dumbasses? Um but he's in military academy, whatever, and then chaos ensues there, and that one flopped real hard. And then we went for a really long time until '98, 
And then I guess the guy who was running the horror division over at Universal, his kids had just watched Child's Play. And they told him that he was terrifying, that they need to bring that back. So I said, sure. And here's the thing is, it shouldn't have worked. It's, it, I think it's a lot because Ronnie Yu, who comes over from China doing all these crazy ghost story movies over there, he uh, just infused it with all this like wild energy. He got good actors. He got crazy special effects and a very different comedic tone. It wasn't just the one-liners. It was just like this weird macabre sense of humor, which he would bring over to Jason versus Freddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, I recall the. I haven't seen really the those ones since they pretty much came out. But um, very dark, but also very funny. It, it was just had a really good sense of humor and wasn't really taking it. The movie and it wasn't taking itself too seriously. Like it really knew what it was. And yeah, it just embraced it. But without insulting the fans, that's it's a really hard line to balance. Yeah. And so that was a big hit. It's probably the most box office that any of the movies had received. And then there was that long gap uh, until Seed of Chucky. And I think the tone mm-hmm. swung too far in the other direction, and the budget was too low, and they waited too long. And I remember this played at my theater. And good God, was it empty. And no one saw Seed of Chucky. Yeah, I, don't, I think I saw the trailer, and I think when, it first, when, when the movie first came out, you know, you watch the watch the trailer, and then you know, a couple months later, it comes out. I watched the trailer once, and I've never seen anything about it ever again. Yeah, I saw a few times just because we had to watch the movies to make sure they were put together correctly. <laughs> but um, then there's that huge, huge gap, and I think Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, which are the direct video entries, those are phenomenal. Oh, I, I have not. I heard of Cult of Chucky. I didn't even hear about the other one. Yeah, Curse is the first one back. And uh, that was in 2013. You you really need to see that one. They bring it back to the tone of the original movie. It's got a yeah, because I yeah yeah because I had heard that like Cult of Chucky or maybe it was maybe it was Curse of Chucky, but I heard that one of those was actually really good. Yeah, they might both be still on Netflix. I remember Cult was, but you have to start with Curse, and that that almost erases everything that happened uh, with um, Seed of Chucky, which was you know kind of the down point for the whole series, and then it just jumps right back in. I believe. Jennifer Tilly pops back up in Cult of Chucky. So, yeah, I, th- I think those are really worthy, and it's a franchise that's fun, but I do kind of feel like it was wearing its welcome out. Like, how much further can you go? It's like the Tremors series. They're still making those, and I don't know why. So it's almost necessary for them to remake it. I, I think it was a good idea. What do you think about the direction they're going in right now with it? Uh, I, I really like the fact that they're just like... I kind of I don't know if they're focusing too much on the personality of Chucky, but they're they're looking more down the terror of technology. Yeah, that's what I liked about it because in the trailer, Chucky's barely in it. He's in like two quick like scenes, but it's mostly just about this tech this company that owns that has like that has AI that owns everything. So it's kind of this idea that you can't run from right. whatever I it mean, is because it's fine. Well, I mean, in this modern age, we got cameras everywhere on our phones, on our computers. You know, in monitors there were, there's tracking with GPS on your social media, everything. And that's, I think it taps into what's important now. Because if I remember, Child's Play originally was supposed to be a spoof of My Buddy. My Buddy was a toy and kid sister yes. um, back in the 80s. And it was just kind of a goof on that. This is more um, like a social commentary. Yeah, and it, it's actually very reminiscent of uh, the, uh, the video game series, The Evil Within. Kind of, uh, so um, I'm interested in going in that direction. Yeah. Uh, something, I, I would hope that they would go more cerebral with it. 
um, for the next one. Or maybe they will be pretty cerebral in this one. I don't know. I'm going to watch it uh, next week, but we'll see. All right, cool. Uh, and then after that, we have Annabelle. Now, there's a lot of doll movies. Um, when I went on social media and said, hey, throw some doll movies at me, a lot of people threw puppet movies at me. I don't consider puppets or ventriloquist dummies the same as dolls. Uh, for some reason in my head, I separate those two because we talk about Dead Silence, but that feels different than uh, a doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of it's more of a ghost movie than anything. Yeah, what was the other one that we discussed that had a ventral? There's Magic, which had a ventral, because Dummy, like, could have sworn there's another one. Poltergeist, of course, has a famous uh, doll in it, but that's wow. only one part of the movie. This has to be where it's the main focus, and clearly had to be greenlit due to the success of Child's Play. Yeah, so we're talking about Annabelle, right? Yeah, um, Devil Doll, oh, no, what was it again? I wrote down, <laughs> oh, Dolly Dearest and Pinocchio's Revenge of the Tomb. We're 12 minutes into the episode, and we're just now mentioning the movies. But I did want to touch oh, upon sorry. Chucky, yeah, but also the ripoffs of it. And hmm. they're so super specific ripoffs because it's almost like they use the same technology, but after Chucky's broke down. Like, oh, well, we have this one from the first movie. It's not working anymore. You want it for 12 bucks, and it'll slap, like, a, a longer hair on it? That's the way Dolly Dearest plays out to me. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunately starring uh, Natasha Yar, or as she's probably called, uh, Denise Crosby, um, which is so unfortunate. It's really, it's, for me, it's really sad to watch her in these movies. Because, well, you know, like, she, she was she was blackballed. She, when she, was this, she a, this is terrible. And apparently what had happened was, like the way it was with Vanessa Williams, they did nude photos when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and they didn't really, they were out there, but they weren't out there, out there for everybody to see. It's not like the way it is now, the minute the photo hits, everyone knows it. This is one of those things that's like slowly started crawling around once she got cast in Next Generation. And I think it's season three. I'm not hardcore on Star Trek in any way whatsoever. Um, so I don't know the exact season, but when it really hit the public that she had all these new photos and that Star Trek was supposed to be a wholesome family show, they forced her off the show. They fired her. And then it became very hard to get work. Yes, she was in Pet Okay, Cemetery. so actually, because well, I'm a huge fan, I'm a huge geek of okay. the Next Generation. It Is was this... actually like halfway through season one. Okay. Um, really that from early? From what I understand, <gasps> yeah, from what I understand, from what, this is just, you know, what they said about it. So, of course, they're going to have a biased opinion about it. And probably won't tell you the truth if there's new photos involved. Because it's a kid's show, too. Um, is that she and a couple other female stars of the show wanted to leave at the same time. So in season two, so Natasha Yard, you know, the, her character in the season one died pretty early on. And then Gates McFadden, who played Beverly Crusher, the doctor, uh-huh. she also quit season one, but completed the series, the, the season. Um, but her reason for was because there wasn't enough of her character. There wasn't much of an arc there. But, and for Denise Crosby, they didn't really explain why she wanted to leave so early. So maybe that was her. It could be urban legend. I mean, maybe. I mean, I didn't actually look this up, so I feel like kind of a dick, but that's what I've been, I heard for years. But then I just remembered, I forgot, who played, uh, who's the empath? Oh, um, gosh, I I would only know her character name. I don't know. Mar- Marina Sirtis, uh, whatever her character's yes. name. But, okay, I forgot until just this moment. She was nude in a couple movies for Canon Pictures. She's naked in Death Wish 3. So that story doesn't hold up, and I apologize for making everybody dumber for listening to this, because I don't think that's true. Maybe she wanted out to do Pet Cemetery, and that became the problem? Because it had to be fairly close. To be fair, she did come back uh, for a couple episodes. Right. 
So maybe there wasn't bad blood between them. I don't know. What but, I'm, but I've seen Pet Cemetery. I haven't seen the new one, and I'm not sure I want to. The old one, I know it made a shit ton of money, and it was the most successful Stephen King movie forever. Uh, it's garbage. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. The acting's horrific. And um, I can see why a lot of the people from that movie didn't have much of a career. And that might also explain how she ended up in Dolly Dearest. Possibly. That's interesting that you say that because I actually like that movie. You do? Uh, I, oh, come on. Oh, I wait, do. He's I'm climbing sorry. up the mountain. I'm sorry. How would he carry his wife like 14 miles up a giant ridge, uh, you know, a stone ridge or whatever? How could you li- How could you carry her that far to the pet cemetery? All right, well, we're talking about a movie where like creatures come back from the dead. So no, that's real. That is totally real. Screens. That is like that is a <laughs> true story <laughs> based on actual events. <laughs> I don't know. I actually haven't seen it in probably thirteen years, so I my attitude might change. Okay, you know what? Maybe that's another episode because I think Pet Cemetery Two is fucking rad, and people think that's a giant pile of shit. So that could be a future episode. I am interested. The. Uh, Okay, where are we at? Oh, yeah, so basically the plot of this movie is they move down to Mexico. It's Sam Bottoms, or one of the Bottoms. There's, like, Joseph Bottoms, Sam Bottoms. Uh, um, and then uh, they go down to Mexico, and for some of his job, he's working on this site, and they open it up, and it's, like, a burial ground for, like, some ancient Aztec curse, and it releases and goes into the doll. I think it was Mayans, actually. Mayans. And then it goes into the doll, but the doll has mind control powers over the girl, and it's like, that was some crazy shit. I was like, this is a bonkers movie. So one of the things I thought was, and again, this is one of those minutia things that like you were upset about Pet Cemetery because how could he carry his wife, you know, 14 miles uphill or whatever. Uh-huh. And here's my here's my minutia thing about a, a, a possessed doll movie, is they keep talking about that factory as being like a huge money making opportunity, but it's like in the middle of nowhere. There's no electricity. There's nobody working there. All the tools are falling apart. How is that going to make money? I can only make like one doll every three days. I guarantee you it was this. Hey, where do we have a cheap location to shoot? Well, Mexico is always right. a cost-cutting expense. What do they have down there? Well, they have an abandoned factory we can use. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's like a, it's like ten foot by ten foot building. Like there, there's no you can't build anything there. Anyway, that's my minutia of a talking doll movie. It's it's really funny they got Rip Torn to show up in this movie because almost immediately after this movie is when he had a career comeback with the Larry Sanders show. And then, of course, he's in Men in Black and all these other movies. But this is when he was unhirable. He was a drunk. He was crazy. He was constantly getting in fights with people on set. Nobody would hire him. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense for his trajectory. If Dennis Hopper had gone one different direction, he would have been in Dolly Dearest. (laughs) He was the, the scavenger, right? Yeah. He's the old man that wants to... Okay. I can't do a Rip Torn, but a, oh, it gets better. Like, I always feel like there's something wrong with his tongue and his can't talk right because he's drunk. Numb drunkness. <laughs> okay. So, basic plot. Family moves to Mexico for a huge money-making opportunity in a factory that's too small to actually build anything. And <laughs> uh, at the same time, some scavenger has unlocked a door or has blown open a door to a Mayan civilization or something like that. Uh, that possesses the dolls and people. So that's basically the, the gist of the movie. Yeah. And it's an excuse to have the dolls in the quote-unquote factory uh, kill people. And basically, it spends a big chunk of the movie, almost like an exorcist kind of thing, because the doll has a way over their daughter and starts to possess her 
You know what's weird? As I just realized just now, the plots to this and Pinocchio's Revenge are really similar when it comes to the whole relationship with the doll. Now, Child's Play never had that. Like, he loved Chucky, and he, but almost immediately he was like, okay, he's up to something. I know it, and, you know, there's no none of that defensive, you can't take away my dolly. It was almost like a symbiote, like a parasite. Yeah, but that's why that's where the, the movies diverge uh, in the in a way for the worse because the idea of the doll being this really intimidating force that you're stuck with and as a kid you just don't know how to get rid of it makes it more creepy and scary. Yeah, that, it's like your imaginary best friend but evil, and so that's a really interesting concept. But you know, like having the I love this thing even though it's possessed and it possesses me is kind of like eh. I, it's kind of it's a little more boring to me for some reason. I don't know why it just wasn't like capturing me like no. Chucky does. Well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact there's no budget and the, the pacing was horrible. You spent oh, too much time with Dolly just making grimaces and not doing anything. It's not until the last 25 minutes where it starts to pick up and then there's that big showdown in the doll factory. Yes, uh, the thing that uh, is so funny is that it would just like make weird faces. It just like weird. Uh, constipated faces. Yeah, I've got while sitting, while sitting, like, sitting in like a revolving chair, like an evil supervillain. It, yeah. it was, it was, it was hilarious, but in the wrong way. Yeah, it wasn't nowhere nearly like the quality of Chucky, where that was a full movie. You know, and plus they were smart to use a lot of uh, angles and, uh, you know, to try to make Chucky look alive. Sometimes they literally had to use a, a small person. A little person in the outfit, but use it from a certain angle, and also like, you know, a depth perception kind of switching to make him, you know, they look like the same size. This movie doesn't bother at all. It's like, well, whenever we can't just have it sit in a chair, we're just gonna have a person run around with a mask it on. Looks, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, it looks like a like a ten year old girl. Like it really, like there was no effort in how they presented it. Yeah, it's just. It's not a good movie. It's interesting because it's just of that moment. Like, I don't think it would ever happen again. And I, I was shocked to discover this was in theaters. Not a lot, but it got released on, like, 20 screens. Man, that gives me hope that I could be a director someday. <laughs> um, I, I do have to say one of the saving graces of this film is I like the boy character. Because, I don't know, I just have this uh, soft spot for, like, nerdy uh boys in movies it's just kind of a thing i've always uh, enjoyed about these kind of crappy movies like yeah because they always seem to have a knowledge kind of it's kind of like the uh, the monster squad rule they always have a slight knowledge yeah. or they're a step ahead of the parents yes uh and it's it's stupid it's overdone whatever but i always like it so that's just my bias and i, I like the kid i think he's hilarious i love his one-liner he does when he shoots the doll with the shotgun what was it's it hysterical again? I can't remember, but um, I'm going to look it up when we're done here because it was super hilarious. No, I thought something that kid like, had a future. Like, get out of my house, bitch, or something. Yeah. I thought he had a future. He was on a TV show on HBO. I can't remember his name right now. But he was on a TV show called Dream On, which was on for about six years on HBO. A lot of fun. And then he got cast in uh, the Futuristic Worlds of H.D. Wells or something like that on Sci-Fi Channel when he was in college. And he was a young H.C. Wells who went on the actual adventures that he writes about. And um, that was kind of before they did that kind of thing, you know, like Goosebumps does that and stuff like, you know, where he was creating these worlds in, in books based on the adventures that he went on in secret. Like he was a government agent that went on these crazy adventures. And I think that's it. I haven't seen him in like 15 years. Sounds interesting. 
I'll, I'll get the name for you. It was on Sci-Fi Channel, but only for one season. It was a British-Canadian production, but it was so good that America, you know, American company picked it up. Yeah, see, that goes to the Sci-Fi Channel, whereas uh, Dolly Dearest goes into the theaters. See, that's why <laughs> everything is wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's well, Vidmark. It was a company that was just desperate for anything. I think it was before Leprechaun. This is, and Leprechaun's another one that we're definitely going to discuss one of these days because that's another one of those. Um, movies where it cost nothing and made a shit ton on video and there were tons of ripoffs of it. Now, in my head for the longest time, Pinocchio's Revenge was a ripoff of Leprechaun, but clearly it is also another ripoff of Chucky. Definitely. You got the. This is the one where I was an asshole and I kept telling myself to get off my phone and I didn't catch everything and that was where I... Like, Rosalind Allen is... Um, a public defender trying to, or was she a psychiatrist and she was working with a guy who was going to go on death row for killing this kid and the kid was possessed by the demon that becomes Pinocchio or his son went into Pinocchio? Uh, yeah, so basically um, she, she is a defense attorney and she is defending a man who apparently had killed his son and buried his uh, son with the Pinocchio doll, which he claimed was his favorite toy. So um, she was trying to figure out, because they're also trying to put on a bunch of other murders onto him um, of, of, of children. Okay. And uh, he, she's basically saying, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you, you know, kill your son now? That doesn't, when you, apparently if you had been killing kids this long, why would it, why would you choose your son all of a sudden? So there, there was kind of like some, some evidence that didn't really make sense. So she's trying to get at why he would do that. And he keeps saying, like, let it go. Just let me go. to Let me die. I want to go on death row. I want to be electrocuted or executed somehow. doesn't matter. Don't look into this. And so, of course, you look into it, and there's some kind of shady, weird thing about a possessed Pinocchio doll. Yeah. And this, and this one, I think, has better production value. It has a better director. Kevin Tenney, uh, he had done Witchboard, and I'm almost certain he did Night of the Demons. So he had more time behind him where, you know, he, he could put together a low-budget movie. But I think it moves a little bit better. It has a better budget. It, it's at least shot in Los Angeles instead of, you know, a country where it was just going to give them some sort of tax rebate. <laughs> um, but still, yeah. I still think there's some problems with it. But it's better than uh, Dolly Dearest. I actually kind of like it. You know, it, it's not – obviously, it's not Shakespeare or anything. But for a possessed doll movie, it did get a little – it did get really interesting because they kind of set up the idea that uh, her daughter also has like emotional problems and then seeing a therapist and she has anger issues. And um, they're presenting the doll as kind of, uh, it's kind of like her, her murderous rage or psychopathy, however you want to uh, put it as like that, that's how she, that's how she imagines like her, her personality is in the doll killing people, but actually it's her. And I think that it actually makes a lot of sense uh, if you look at it from that perspective. Yeah. But it, it's never stated for it's never actually stated that the doll is re, is alive or not. So here I'm looking this up from, real quickly. Uh, originally, it was called the Pinocchio syndrome, and the title is reflective to what you were talking about—more of a condition that goes into Pinocchio, or Pinocchio enhances that that range of emotions. But they didn't think it was sellable, so they called it Pinocchio's Revenge, which doesn't particularly make sense because nobody's really getting revenge. 
No, I mean, yeah, not really. There, I mean, she gets revenge on her on the person that bullied the little girl. Gets revenge on the school bully uh, after Pinocchio puts a stick in her spokes and she gets run over by a bus, which was un- unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, another one though where this is they substitute a little person in a Pinocchio outfit. There's not a lot of animatronics. I wish they had just used stop motion animation, but this is a time period yeah. where stop motion wasn't even used anymore because it was embarrassing. But they couldn't afford CGI, so they had to find ways around it. And I kind of wish they had just embraced stop motion. And the person that did the voice of Pinocchio was Casper. I mean, it has to be right. Oh God, I, I forgot to look that up. I wanted to know because. That was such a good voice. I'm going to look this up right now. Because I think that's part of the creepy charm of it is because you listen to like this purely innocent voice. And it's, you know, the horrible things are coming out of it. You're like, that's not what I expected. And that's what's unnerving. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a gambit. So it, it, it can be funny kind of at first. But when they keep going with it, it starts to become unnerving in a weird way. Um, I, I So, yeah, so... There is a specific scene, and this has kind of caught a lot of controversy in the YouTube comment section that I was looking at. But is the uh, there is a scene where the mother's, you know, the main character, so that the mother's boyfriend uh, has been is in the hospital. He was pushed down the stairs by either Pinocchio or the daughter. So um, there is a scene where the girl cuts the strings of Pinocchio and runs to the hospital to kill the uh, the boyfriend. Except in the hospital scene, uh, you see from Pinocchio's perspective and nobody like sees it or like nobody thinks anything weird of it. And so that was pretty controversial because there's a lot of people, a huge contingent of people that were saying that that uh, means that it was actually the girl that was doing it because no one would think it was weird if a girl was was walking around a hospital. So anyway... Weird stuff like and stuff like that. I think is really interesting to look at. I don't know if they really intended it to be that 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 interesting, but it somehow became that interesting. Um, so I looked up Pinocchio. You're gonna find this fascinating. Uh, Vern Troyer, yep. before he was ever Mini Me, <laughs> played Pinocchio. Oh, that's but, interesting. But not the voice. The voice of Pinocchio yeah. is done by Dick Beals, who is famous for doing the voice of Gumby. Yes. Okay. Gumby. Did you do- did he do Casper as well? Because it sounds so much uh, Yeah, Casper and the Angels, he did voice of... Man, he did so much voice work. He did Davy and Goliath, that truly disturbing cartoon. Oh, wow. He did, he did uh, Richie Rich. This is why the voice sounds so familiar to me, because I used to watch Richie Rich all the time as a kid. Garfield and Friends, um, the Adams Family cartoon. Is he still alive? No, he died in 2012. He was yeah, doing the voice of Pinocchio like that when he was... Oh my god! He was, I'm trying to think, uh, 67. 67, yeah. and able to do that voice. Sound like a little kid. That's crazy. crazy, right? Yeah. That's also a little disturbing. I don't want that kind of, I mean, my voice is a little high-pitched, but I imagine as I get older, it's going to get gravelier and, you know, deeper, and, oh man, that takes some special talent to pull that off at that age. That's why he's paid the big bucks. He just drank velvet, just pure velvet. They, they synthesized it and just poured it right down his throat at all times. It's like, could do they, they massage him from the inside and out to keep that voice soothe. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was uncanny. It didn't sound like it was modified. It did not sound like you had to do a take in between each word. It was it it was yeah, that's so weird. You know, it's funny. I was thinking of modifying voices. This is total tangent, but you're the only person I can tell this who will probably think this is funny. 
Um, you know how everybody says they go back in time and kill Hitler? That's a given. I think we'd mm-hmm. all kill Hitler. But the second guy I would kill after that is the guy who designed Autotune. I want to fucking stop him from because he has damaged so many things in music, and I was just thinking about enhancing voices, and that led me to that idea. <laughs> you see, I, I, here goes my tangent. I probably wouldn't kill Hitler. You know, I, I don't know what effect that would have on the future that I would be nervous to make. You know, that that judgment. I know, but what about auto tune? Yeah. Do you think that would? I don't think that would cause any problems. I think it would be a net benefit to society, so I'm I'm all in favor. Yeah, I mean, at least it would have stopped that uh, that. Uh, kid rock song where it just that's what that's what autotune to me is people who can't sing they're tricking you into believing they can sing by distorting their voice which makes no sense to me but somehow it works i don't know why people like it it doesn't make any sense to well me. auto autotune used to be peter frampton's guitar kind of shit where it was <laughs> actually cool I remember people bitched about the Beastie Boys using that weird wah-wah kind of like gravel you know that thing that they use um, in sabotage it's like they're coming yeah. through a microphone, and uh, yeah. you bitch about that, but you're not going to bitch about whatever it is that autotune <laughs> does to your voice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we went off on a tangent. Sorry. Um, I would say Pinocchio's Revenge is definitely the better one. Definitely. I would actually recommend watching it if you're into that kind of thing. Um, I would definitely skip Dolly Dearest. Yeah. Dolly Dearest is easier like, to find for some fucking reason. Pinocchio's Revenge is very hard to find. Both are from the same company. Both are still only available on VHS. And uh, we watched it in a cut-up version on YouTube. It's the only way we could find it. It's in 10 parts, but it, it works just fine. Yeah, back in the day. Remember when they had to do that on YouTube? Because they want, they want to Unless try... Unless you speak Spanish, then you can watch the Spanish version True. and cut. So. But do you remember back in the day, YouTube could only do 10 minutes at a time because they wanted to prevent yes. people from loading up movies. And I Holy guess that's... The... <laughs> that's what I did as a kid. It was just watch movies on YouTube in 10-minute chunks. Yeah. Like That's how I like first watched The Big Lebowski. Uh, I think the first one I ever watched like that was I Come in Peace, a.k.a. Dark Angel with Dolph Lundgren taking on an alien from space, cut up in 12 different parts. <laughs> I guess uh, we're done. Well, they're, they're actually <laughs> – YouTube's starting to, starting to do that now, where or they're starting to upload whole movies for free but with, with advertising. That's fucking commercials. So There's they're, so many commercials they're... on YouTube now. It makes it impossible. I can't even watch a trailer for a movie without watching a trailer for another movie. <laughs> I know, and now they're, you have to do it, like, you have to watch two ads now? What the fuck yeah. is that bullshit? Was the it? thing I, I hate most about it is, like, this whole thing where it's like, oh, it's uh, Adpocalypse, because, you know, Steven Crowder, that YouTube asshole, was talking shit about a gay guy, and now all of a sudden ads are being pulled. There's more ads on there than I've ever seen, so someone's lying. Yeah, what was it? We try, I told you about, we were thinking about doing Puppet Master first, and I went on... I want to say it was popcorn flicks or something like that to watch it. And I couldn't believe that it said commercials, one of eight. And I was like, hold the fucking phone. I just sat through five. It's like now every five minutes now. And I'm just like, this is insane. No wonder people download movies illegally. They don't have to deal with this horse shit. I got to tell you, because I've just uh, been borrowing my friend's uh, Hulu account, and he has Hulu with ads. Yeah. And... Uh, a few weeks ago, I decided just to get my own Hulu without ads. My God, does it make a difference in how happy I am when I'm watching TV? It's like they're forcing you to pay for the version that you want. I remember, I remember when Hulu was completely and absolutely free. 
period. And you only had to sit through one commercial every 15 minutes. There's one at the beginning, one in the middle, and one at the end, for like a half-hour sitcom. And, I mean, they'll, they cut movies and shows where it makes no sense to cut them. Oh, he's about to launch the time. And a commercial. Hey, have you bought a Sentra lately? And it's the same commercial, too. Why is it the same 12 yeah. commercials? I, I don't know. Maybe they just pay the most or something. Yes. I, I think we're getting a little off team. We are, here, but this, is, a, a, this is part of the enjoyment of the show. But it's just difficult to find these movies. Yeah. So you just have to find them on YouTube. Thankfully, I think that Pinocchio's Revenge and Dolly Dearest both had no commercials because... They are bootleg, and no one tried to get ads out of them. Yeah, that was the that was the benefit. Except for Dolly Dearest, that was kind of the hindrance because it didn't give me a break to go do something else. Yeah, that's but. true. Um, and also the worst quality. My God, it looks like a copy of a copy of a copy off VHS. So there's that. Um, so, so if you're, is it my turn or your turn? Yeah. I think it's my turn. Um, it's for your turn. Next episode, let's. Uh, um, we did Chucky. We done. Uh, you know what? Let's not do this on air. Because <laughs> sometimes, we have, an sometimes <laughs> we have an idea and I forget that we're on air while we're discussing it. Uh, everybody, have a good night. Check us out on Facebook under Video Night uh, Podcast. We're like a spinoff of that. Uh, yeah, do it, everybody. Oh. <laughs> so enthusiastic. <laughs> Best outro ever. <laughs> oh. And uh, next episode when we come back, he's going to tell me what he thought of Child's Play. I don't go to the movies anymore. It's really, really rare because I don't just don't like people. I need something in my life where I'm not doing nothing, so I'll go to the theater now. Yeah. I used to not, but now I will. I've lowered my expectations <laughs> to the level of going to see a movie in a theater. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good night. I see you.